Hello, Motown Philly family. You all need to know that this podcast is sponsored by The Speaker's Mechanic. The Speaker's Mechanic is a business enterprise of my co-host, Jason Hall, who is a communication skills coach, and he's also a published author of a book called A Vocal Owner's Manual. He works with professionals who are looking to improve their communication skills, and I guarantee you that if you work with him, he will improve yours. Check out his book on Amazon. Again, it's called A Vocal Owner's Manual, and you will be certain once you check him out to improve and get better because here at Motown Philly, that's what we're all about, and that's what his brand, The Speaker's Mechanic, is all about. Thanks so much for tuning in, and thanks to The Speaker's Mechanic for this sponsorship. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Motown Philly podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Golden, here with my co-host. It's your boy, Jason Hall. What up, though? Yes, yes. Jason from Detroit is the is the Motown of Motown Philly. Yours truly from the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, Philadelphia. I'm the Philly part of Motown Philly. And Jason and I are far apart geographically, but to get, we are together as one in so many different ways. And we are together with you right now as we gather around to check out episode 30 of the Motown Philly podcast. Jason, tell folk how thankful we are. Listen, man, you guys don't understand how much of the energy that we feel and that we recognize that you sh that you share with us. In the time that you spend listening to our podcast weekly, we appreciate every single moment, second, minute time that you share with us. We're so grateful for it. Um, we see our community growing in the Facebook group. If you're not in the Facebook group, please look up Motown Philly, the Motown Philly podcast group um, in the Facebook on Facebook. And we just want you to 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 subscribe to that invite yourself we can invite you if we knew you if we could but listen go in there and leave say hello but we're just so grateful for your presence and we're appreciative of it please look through the facebook but also go on all the platforms and like and, and subscribe and follow and even leave a review so we love you guys thank you all so much and thank you jason so listen we're going to get right into it this week we have a very I think power packed episode this week. Mm -hmm. If you went to the Motown Philly Facebook group, you will see that we posted, we gave a little preview of what we were going to talk about today. But before we get into the video that I posted in the Motown Philly Facebook group, let's begin with a story. And I want you all to close your eyes wherever you are unless you're driving if you're driving please don't close your eyes but i want you to even if you are driving i want you to focus on a little story that i want to tell you if you're not driving and you're by yourself and you want to meditate in on this i ask you to close your eyes as you listen to the story of a couple named oliver and nina Oliver and Nina have been married for about 10 years and Oliver and Nina are both committed Christians. They attend 
their local church regularly and they're a big part of church life and they they just they enjoy the church they enjoy the fellowship that it gives them and they enjoy the sense of community that they experience well it turns out that nina is not doing well and one of the reasons she's not doing well is because she's on the receiving end of physical abuse from oliver nina has tried to deal with this physical abuse in so many different ways she's talked to family she's talked to friends and because their connections to the church are so strong almost all of the advice that she gets tells her to stay in a relationship to pray that things will get better and she goes around and talks to different people she talks to the pastor and the pastor tells her that her body is not her own that the husband is the head of the wife even as christ is the head of the church and through a variety of misinterpretations of scripture she is made to believe that she has no choice but to remain in this marriage and she's even told that if she gets divorced she will be condemned to being single for the rest of her life and that she shouldn't get divorced at all one because god hates divorce someone quotes malachi 216 and two someone quotes matthew 19 verse 9 and says to nina divorce is only lawful based on adultery and as long as oliver is faithful to you you don't have to you 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 have no biblical basis for divorce even though you're being physically abused pray and things will get better nina prays oliver continues to abuse her nothing gets better and eventually in an abusive episode nina dies before you open your eyes i want you to consider this simple principle with me it is wrong to misinterpret the bible because when we misinterpret the bible and use it to justify dysfunction and abuse people die all right open your eyes here we are jason here we are come through a difficult story sorry that story didn't have a happy ending but i think now is probably a good time to get into the reaction that we're going to give to the video that i posted in the motown philly facebook group and this video is just to set this up is a video of a a popular influencer on social media who's a motivational speaker i think his name is jeremy anderson and he has gone above and beyond with his speaking public speaking brand and he often talks about uh, the challenges in his marriage and how those challenges somehow make him a better person 
And let's just stop here. And Jason, do you have it queued up? It's crazy, man. I'm realizing, you know, that God didn't create marriage just to make us happy. You know what I'm saying? I said this 10 years ago, bro. It's the books out now about this. I'm living it, bro. This ain't something I read in a book. Like this is this is stuff that I could put in a book. God did not give us marriage just to make us happy. It's also to make us holy. Like, bro, I cannot tell you how much I've grown like in my character by being married to Tracy. She be taking me down through there. You know what I'm saying? But it's necessary and it's needed. And, and whenever I get angry, whenever I get pissed or frustrated, it's like God shows me myself. And he's like, hey, be cautious, bro. How you deal with my daughter is how I'm going to deal with you. It's, it's easy for me to guard my tongue. It's easy for me to be patient. It's easy for me to, to give gifts and to do those extra things and go above and beyond because I know it's going to come back to me. God is like, bro, she is so precious. She is so special. She is so rare. She deserves the absolute best version of you. That's why I wake up at three or four o'clock in the morning to seek the face of God. It's not because I want to be a good speaker. God been gifted me with this. It's so that I can be the husband she deserves. It's the husband she longed for. I want to be the husband that type of husband where her friends is envious like man i wish i had one like jeremy you feel me and so i realized man it's allowed it's, it's caused me to make some adjustments within myself and my character to be the husband he wants me to be that was jeremy anderson giving reporting reporting to give men a marriage hack mm -hmm. i <clears throat> I know where to begin, but Jason, I'll, I'll let you start off with this and tell us what you see in that, in that brief clip and how what you see resonates with the tragedy of Nina from our story. Well, I guess my history goes back to this particular post and as far as seeing it earlier, maybe it was earlier this week or late last week. And I made commentary on it because I took up issue about, um, as you guys well know, I'm a communication skills coach, right? So words are very important and Tim and I, know that you it's difficult to be perfect in your speech however it's also different when you have a large platform and you're not as careful as possible as you speak to the masses that you're able to influence so typically you know if you're if you're not really huge it might not do too much to me as far as what you're saying because you might be speaking in it and in a silo or it's just not the your reach isn't that far but however sometimes when things are said on a platform that is larger uh what you say matters and so i hopped in the comments because of what he said about how marriage wasn't designed to make us holy i mean happy but holy and in, in fairness to him, mm -hmm. he said it wasn't designed just. Just. Very good. Very good. Words are important. It was also designed to make us whole. So I just want to make sure we give him a fair hearing. 
True, true, true. true. That's that's the judicial part of who Tim Golden is. And and very good. And I was thinking that even as the words were coming out of my mouth, he did have some sort of caveat to be like, it wasn't just made for happiness. It was also to make us holy. And when I hear phrases like that, I have to do my best due diligence to filter that properly as it regards to me in my relationship with who I know God to be and what he expects of me in particular. And even I believe, you know, his children, there is, there is a, I believe there's a false misconception of what holiness can be. And especially for men and husbands, even more so, I believe for black men and husbands to where there can be an unfair expectation to the black male. Uh, as a husband and you put on the label of now you need to become more holy like that becomes a I, like a lightning rod if you will to 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 the ears and the eyes of men and women and th- wh- whether consciously or subconsciously we seek they seek to to strive to what is more holy and it was just my idea to understand that i've understand through my life through my reading through my conversations through my experiences is that there is really nothing in inherent about about marriage that is supposed to make us quote unquote more holy like i my my comment on that particular video was a strong comment that says Marriage doesn't make us holy. It doesn't do that. What it, I mean, what it is designed or what it just does by natural design, it is, it is, and it will expose our flaws. And so the goal is not necessarily to make us holy. It's to make us better in the, in the fashion that it exposes our flaws. And if you're in relationship with a healthy person, you two have an opportunity to be mirrors for each other and both grow. And in the context of what Jeremy was saying, he kind of paints the picture a little bit more responsibility to what he has to do to earn uh, in, in so so many ways from God and his wife, uh, some sort of like, I have to achieve, I have to do this thing. And I'm not saying there's no doing that needs to happen but I'm thinking of fair doing and fair achieving, if you will, where in a relationship that strives to be healthy, uh, you won't have to worry about the banner of striving to be holy. I mean, what a banner. And we should strive to be better individuals. But if you call yourself a God, a Jesus follower, or even a Christian, the goal is, is to understand that God's love and our sacrifice in him to him as far as like being humble and submitting to who he is to us that does all the holiness that we that that covers us with holiness and just in our normal relating to who he is we are going to be walking and becoming better individuals better human beings and it's and that's just a byproduct of the loving relationship that you have um with jesus and with god it's not something that you you try to strive to do so i said all that but in a diminished way in the post 
just to be just to make people understand because women when you hear words like to become holy men and women who hear just little sound bites from the internet whether consciously or subconsciously honestly i'm, I'm mostly was speaking to the subconscious to the person who may be listening to this and not really thinking about these there's a lot of tim there's just a lot of tropes and a lot of phraseologies that we hear in secular culture if you will or even in christian culture that that kind of create narratives that are just false and untrue because there's no cognitive thought behind them bro so what i did do is 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 try to invoke cognitive thought into this idea of what is quote unquote holy and that's why i say quote unquote because bro there's, there's nothing you can do for to become more holy in god's eyes and to become more loved in god's eyes and it shouldn't be like that for your wife um and you trying to strive to win out who you know to win out her favor if you will in the relationship that you have it just it just rubbed me the wrong way and i had to inter interject consciousness to that to that conversation i appreciate that jason hmm. it rubbed me the wrong way too it really rubbed me the wrong way yeah. And you and I see this similarly. Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, full disclosure. Yes. Jason and I are two divorced men. All right. Yep. That's now, true. I, I choose not to refer myself to myself as divorced. Me neither. I will not give the societal and ecclesial stigma of divorce more power than it should have. It should have no power. Right. Today, I refer to myself as single, and yeah. that's not being in denial. I acknowledge I was married at once upon a time, and that that relationship came to an end. But I sort of try my best, and I think Jason does too. Yeah, walk a tightrope between the reality of having been through a divorce and the deep emotional and psychological need not to stigmatize ourselves. Right. Me too. I love myself. I love myself. <laughs> right. That's a little mantra we'd like y'all to repeat. And y'all yeah. hear stuff, you know, and you you just need to affirm that you love yourself, right? Yes, so yes. so anyway, uh that that's out there on the table, right? We're not hiding that from anybody. Let me tell you what I saw. But also state this though, Tim. We're uh -huh. which also an an extension to what Tim just said therefore meaning we're also not we're also not bitter and we're That's not right. mad That's right. at, at relationships or divorce exactly and if if you all have been listening to us through the past 30 weeks one of the things you will know is that it should be pretty clear to you that we are not bitter at all we're not bitter toward marriage we're not bitter toward women i would like to be married again Mm -hmm. If the opportunity came and if it was the right type of woman, I would absolutely like to be married again. Right. right, right. I think I think Jason would go on record as saying he would, too. I right. mean, marriage has a level of joy associated with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And just because ours didn't work out the way we would have hoped doesn't mean that Jason and I are sour on the institution. And it certainly doesn't mean that we are sour on women because we're not. Okay, no. so thank you, Jason, for pointing that out. Let me tell you what I saw. And the more I listen to this, 
the the deeper the level of dysfunction in what he said reaches so he begins by saying that god didn't give us marriage just to make us happy he gave us marriage to make us holy so when i think of holy i'm immediately reminded of the scripture where paul says there's none righteous no not one mm-hmm. right nothing makes you holy and nothing saves you if you're a christian but the blood of jesus which mm-hmm. covers your sin this so this notion that a legal and societal or even a theological institution of marriage is going to help you become more holy is i think not altogether accurate or consistent with the idea that we are saved by grace it almost leaves people with the impression that if you don't get married right you might not be as holy as someone who is Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. now you could argue that the challenges there may be certain challenges and ways that you grow to see yourself through your spouse and words that your ways that your spouse grows to see themselves through you and yeah you can make an argument that marriage builds character and all of that and it's not always a walk in the park Mm -hmm. you're never going to hear me say marriage is designed to give people a psychological state of permanent happiness right right i don't think either jason or myself is that naive no so we understand it's not always a walk in the park but we have to consider his remarks in context because then he goes down a road where he does two things that are deeply problematic. He makes God's love conditional, conditional on how he treats his spouse. And there's nothing conditional about God's expression of love toward us. Yeah. Say, that. No, say that again. Say that again. There right. is nothing conditional about God's expression of his love toward us. There may be something conditional about the promises that God makes to us, Mm -hmm. but God's promises and God's love are two different things. And he says out of his mouth that God says to him, you better watch how you treat my daughter because that's how I'm going to treat you. But then the dysfunction deepens from a conditional understanding of God's love to a fundamentally egotistical relationship that he has with his wife. Because what he he goes on to say after that is I want to do, I want to be the best husband I can be because I want what God has in store for me. So do you want to be the best husband that you can be because being the best husband that you can be is the right thing to do? Or do you want to be the best husband that you can be because God has told you that he's going to give you something if you are? But you can continue to go farther because the end of that particular diatribe, he then talks about, I want my girls or my wife's friends to say, that's the kind of man that i want so now you want to call not only not only do you want to be good to your wife 
only because of what you believe God is going to give you in return. But now you want to contrary to the spirit of loving your neighbor, you want to cultivate a spirit of envy yeah. so that women will covet you yeah. and say, I wish I had one like him. Really? Is that what we're doing now? So, so you go from God's love being conditional to a fundamentally egotistical relation to your wife where the only reason you treat her good is because you want God to treat you good. So you're not treating her well because it's the right thing. You're treating her well because you want to be on the receiving end of what God has in store for you. And the only reason you believe that is because of the sheer dysfunction of the belief that God's love is somehow conditional, conditional. that his expressions of love towards you are conditional how you treat somebody else, which is patently false. Yeah. So we go from God's love being conditional to treating people, treating his to him treating his spouse the way that uh, the way uh, him to him treating his spouse the way he treats her, not because he wants to do right by her, but because he wants what God has in store for him. Mm -hmm. And then, lastly, we come to the point of cultivating a spirit of envy that God's law, right? And if anybody who studies the Ten Commandments understands when Jesus says in the New Testament, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself, right? That what he's saying is that the first four commandments deal with your relationship with me. And the last six commandments deal with your relationship with your neighbor. And the reason why on those two commands hang all the law and the prophets is precisely because if we love God, we'll keep the first four. And if we love the neighbor, we'll keep the last six. Right. So we're not looking to go down point by point and say, I've done this. I've done, it's not a checklist. Mm -hmm. It's if you love the result of love will be keeping the first four and keeping the last six. But what does he go and do? He tries to cultivate a spirit of covetousness, which does not show love to the neighbor in the interest of his own ego. You know, my takeaway from this, Jason, is that in a strange kind of way, he becomes proud of his humility and his entire position is nonsensical, asinine, and paradoxical his right. position does not make sense and what it reminded me of from our story is that there are people who are going to hear that yeah. and i it just like you did and when you go through the comments man is it crystal clear the yeah. women the wait, wait a minute jay the women mm -hmm. are shouting hallelujah and it's only a couple dudes who are like wait a minute stop the cat Stop the cap. Can't take this no more. There's something wrong here. Right. And mm -hmm. got a lot of guys might not be able to articulate it the right way or articulate it in a way that that makes the points that we're making. But they know when something doesn't feel right. And what it made me think of as relates to our story is that Nina was the victim of physical abuse. But I thought about how many men are the victim of 
abuse that's emotional that's like Nina's physical abuse is supposedly undergirded by scripture mm. right mm-hmm. it's supposedly undergirded by scripture I had a woman respond to me in the comments well what you gonna say about uh, Paul said husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it and mm. I didn't say this to her in the comments I should have I said other things to her in the comments but check this out Jay when you and I die, it doesn't accomplish anything. Why? Because we're not Jesus. My death ain't going to save nobody. Mm. Your death ain't going to save nobody. Jesus's death saved everybody. True. Right? And it, w- what I told her in, in the comments is what I did say to her is what you're doing is you are misinterpreting Paul's use of hyperbole in the text. In Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, Paul, first of all, Jay, he's writing a letter to a church at Ephesus that has a specific problem of men not taking marriage seriously. It's the same problem that Jesus faced when he told a bunch of men who were basically marrying women to get their money and then leaving them destitute Mm -hmm. that the only reason you need to be divorced is because of... uh, is because of adultery right if you're if you're abusing marriage that way you need to be restricted like that and that's the same reason why god says he hates divorce in malachi too it's not because i mean we take this overly simplistic view of it malachi is prophesying to a a group of people where the men are just getting divorced for frivolous reasons so in that context of course God hates divorce. Do you think God is going to hate the divorce of Nina and Oliver? No. Nah. I don't just, think so. Just getting their head knocked in. I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. So I, I just, that's what I saw, right? And and I, it just, the whole thing just, the what troubles me, Jason, is not so much that he said what he said but his popularity in social Mm -hmm. media spaces and the unreflective way that people because listen man that clip is being replayed in households all over the world women are hearing that and women are going to church and they hear messages like that from the pulpit and they get seconded from the pew and people are all over talking about oh that's right girl that's right he better love me he better die for me what you gonna do what exactly is your role in the relationship and i like what you said earlier because this kind of messaging creates a messianic utopian standard of masculinity in men that says to men you must be just like jesus and die so that other people can be saved. And that is a dangerous interpretation of the Christ figure. Go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry, man. No, I, I mean, I mean the, rant, it's, but it, so I echo a lot of what you said is because like, so Jeremy said what he said, and he, he's honestly has a right to his opinion. But when you have a platform such as his, when your opinion is skewed with, with some scripture and and people hear it 
it is like an amen corner and so many people get privy to it and it's it is mostly opinion than it is fact and it's just an excerpt that's played and the point is all it does is it reinforces a bad narrative on what men uh the like what men go through in a marriage relationship and what they might feel as far as expectation wise under what we've learned to be what is christian culture and when you the reason why i felt compelled to say something and this is why, why we're actually talking about it we're talking about we you know for the for those of you who are listening these are not just two black men talking about marriage like we the the point of what we do on this podcast is all about communication connection and community and so it rubbed me wrong because there was a disconnect in what he was saying and i know that from the experience jeremy and i we we've come from the same uh religious background so i know the culture in which he which he which he speaks of and where he got that from and it echoes a lot in the black community and the thing is like i was saying there's a lot of tropes or a lot of phraseology or 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 things that are said and we we take them for face value without the conscious thought of going deeper like you said a lot of this these terms can be very simplistic and then they're internalized and we wonder where we get this expectation from because people say things that that exist in our culture happy wife happy life bro that's a myth that's a lie bro like you can't just go around saying stuff but we ingest it digest it and we make it a part of our lives and it makes us skewed as human beings and now we're dysfunctional in a relationship similar to what we think jeremy and we don't know we don't know jeremy like i know jeremy through saying what's up and yes up dapping him up i've even been a part of uh some of his um things that Jeremy does in the community. And we're not really coming at Jeremy. We're kind of coming at culture because actually Jeremy is not saying anything that we haven't heard culture, Christian culture has said anyway. So he's a product of it. So the thing is, but what Tim and I have experienced in our lives and understanding like that, that those are tones that are, that are in some ways veiled that keeps a man from actually aspiring to be who he's designed to be truly um, in his relationship to God and in his relationship to his woman. And when, when women latch on more to what he said, it really throws, throws things off communication-wise and relationship-wise of the expectations of a man that are unfair. Because how he couched that, he never says, anything about what he and his wife does he talks about what he does and that's the wrong narrative that you put out there because the wives will second that and the man will kind of be like if they're not truly thinking about it they'll be like amen because it sounds like a good amen but the point is there's a lot of amens that go on in church on saturday and sunday that shouldn't be amen just because you're sitting from the pulpit you need to think about what is being said and how it's being said because as he said, more holy, people are hearing, let me, I need to be more perfect. And I need to, and this helps me to be accepted. And that accepted, acceptance 
that we that we strive for comes from acceptance with God and it comes from acceptance of 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 our spouse or our wives and this that's another weight to carry especially as a husband that you can't you can't actually achieve now I'm not saying that we can't grow and be better but there's a level when you say holiness it doesn't just mean better like you you there's a there's a level of perfection that you're trying to ascribe to and eh, it's just it, it just doesn't sit right and it it does and and like i said the woman the woman typically in that picture in that narrative has very little little culpability and accountability as to the weakness in the factor of and i'll say that again the weakness in the factor of what relationships and how what relationships should be and how they should grow and if there's no weakness in the relationship and grown and and a togetherness of growth that relationship is growing skewed he didn't say his wife got up at three o'clock in the morning he didn't say his we do these things together for each other when when you take the we out of us bro on when you take the we out of us who is this relationship about and that's why the 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 other parts of the what he was talking about in his diatribe seem more about what he was trying to do see more but about about what what was his goals or what he was trying to make people think about it wasn't like we it was there is rarely any we in that whole let's grow and get better together and that's what we're that's what i was coming against and that's what i believe you and i are speaking about when it comes to what he said and it's just like so we're coming at culture more than jeremy if jeremy ever hears this spirit of love going on here and it's just like yo bro we understand exactly what you are saying because we used to be that we used to be that and do that all day. And, and I've had I've had uh, a rather intense exchange with Jeremy on social media. I'm glad you said that, Jason. I don't know Jeremy Anderson. I, I don't have anything bad to say about him. Our commentary is about the content of what he said and how that content, as Jason put it, fits within a toxic Christian culture that is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, Brody. The, the scripture is just a sheep's clothing. The Christianity, the God references, all of that is a thin veneer that covers a dastardly moral calculus that is dangerous for men. And rightly understood, it's dangerous for everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. want somebody to love me because they think God is going to punish them. Exactly. If they don't. Exactly. I want somebody to love me because you love me. Right. Let's talk. Let's like, talk. I don't, I don't want. I mean, so let's just review. First, he made first. He made what he said. And again, Jeremy, brother, I hope we get to talk at some point. Cause like I said, I don't know you and this ain't about attacking you. So it's not personal, um, yeah, yeah, not personal, but first you make God's love conditional. Second, you make loving your spouse about what you want rather than about it being the right thing to do. Talk about becoming less holy, right? <laughs> what you said, you give a moral calculus that actually makes you less holy because <laughs> your motivation isn't that it's the right thing. Your motivation is I'm I'm about to get something out, out of this. So mm -hmm. I better act right. Mm -hmm. And lastly, you cultivate a spirit 
of covetousness, right? And you contribute to your egotism again because what I really heard was, yeah, I want my I want my wife's girlfriends to you know to want me or to at least want a guy like who me, right? Me, 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 me. I, 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 I was all up in that. But let's let's take it to another level, Jason, because when I think about this, my com my initial comment was this dude just keeps telling on himself. The video that we've played is not a video. It's not the only one that we've heard, right? right? There are other videos in which he has made similar references. And when you look at them together, the totality of them is seems to suggest to me, at least that what he is doing is he is universalizing his dysfunction as an absolute moral standard. Stay there and talk about the dysfunction. Like so, what is so, it, what is his dysfunction? What do you or what so, do you so, believe? So when I when I say his dysfunction, I'm not talking about him personally, but I'm talking about the marital dysfunction. Okay. He's starting in other videos he has talked about how, you know, his wife has withheld affection from him. And how that's just going to make him a better person. He's going to become better. He's going. He even said in that video, his wife takes me down through there. But it's necessary. Is it really necessary for somebody to take you down through there? Is it necessary for your wife to be emotionally abusive by withholding sex mm. from you? because sex is one of the joys of marriage right mm, so you're yeah. supposed to be you're supposed to be better off somehow because your wife is withholding sex from you that's what i mean by marital dysfunction he is taking that his he's taking his experience and he's claiming that it's universal that what I go through, everybody needs to go through, right? right. That this this is he calls the video is is labeled. I don't know if he labeled it or the person that reposted it, it labeled it. But they relabeled it. So I'm sure they relabeled it, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe this is not him, but the person that relabeled it, which actually makes our point even further, because you up here hearing stuff and you don't really understand what you're hearing. And you just going out and we think that because we share it is somehow real. I got news for you. Most of the stuff we see on social media, the more it's shared, the less real it is. Now this joker comes on there and starts talking about this. This is a marriage hack for men. The guy who shared it. And it's like, really, is this a marriage hack for men? And, and you know, when I put his statement in context of his other videos, I just think to myself, Bro, you just telling on yourself. Why does everybody need to know about your marital dysfunction? And why are you trying to make your marital dysfunction a universal moral principle? Right. I, I just think that you would you would believe and this is just me little conjecture if because it's said often like Jeremy didn't just say this once, as Tim said, but it seems that often he talk he he talks about his relationship in the life in the light of a struggle 
And I would think that as often as he talks about that particular relationship, as far as it's posted, maybe he doesn't, but and we're just getting these clips. And the fact of the matter, the clips are all about, all about him being challenged in his marriage to be a better person. And I'm just like, and I'm not saying relationships shouldn't have, shouldn't have, it wouldn't have its normal, regular challenges of growth. But I don't think that it's the precursor for good for good relationship and good marriage and 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 this is how it should be. It, I mean, um, or this is an it's a necessary must. No, like I don't want to get into a contentious relationship. Now I know relationships by nature are contentious and be contentious, but come on, bro, let's let's see if we can be a little bit more compatible. Hello, if we can be a little bit more compatible in our choosing. Mm -hmm. Let's let's check this out, Jason. I want to go a little deeper here mm -hmm. and I want to go to a passage of scripture written by none other than Paul. And I'm by, by who? Paul, you bringing Paul into this as in as in the Apostle Paul. Yeah, I'm bringing Paul into this, man. Paul is in some sense responsible. Listen, for, you're right. I, I got for, a lot of quotes about what Paul said. Right. Exactly. In response to my comment. And yep. it was just a lot of, uh, yeah, Paulisms. Right. Was Paul married, by the way? No. Never? No. no. Paul was not married. Never married. Paul was, Paul was never married. And he's the one who's going out. I don't know who's worse. <laughs> him, him writing letters to people 2,000 years ago. Or us taking the letters that he wrote, inspired by the Spirit of God, though they may be. And interpreting them as though his advice to the church at Corinth or his advice to the church at Ephesus is absolutely applicable and morally universal for all dates and times such that we are bound by his hyperbolic statements that he wrote in a letter to a church 2000 years ago. So, Jason, you and I have a, a good friendship, right? right. We don't uh, put it in contemporary language. We don't most people don't write letters anymore they write texts mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. but even let's just say i wrote jason a letter jason was going through something spiritually and maybe god inspired me to say something to jason along the lines of hey man you know don't hang out with don't hang out with people like thus and so anymore mm -hmm. i don't think that's a good idea mm -hmm. you know let's just make it let's make it something silly don't hang out with people who eat spaghetti Right, okay. something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. but not hang out with them no more. God inspired me to write that to Jason. Right today. Right. Back on two thousand years. Let, it's four thousand and twenty-three. Let's and make somebody, let's make it a little bit more colorful. You said that to me because I was having heartburn, and the 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 spaghetti sauce in the in the spaghetti had acid in it and it would cause me to have this heartburn that's the context that's like the specific and you like yo i just and then I you like was like you was like yo yo chick it tastes good right but it tastes good going down but that keeps me up all night 
And you said the people I be hanging with, man, they cook it and they cook it real good. And I'd be tempted. I just go ahead and eat it. And I say, yo, man, you can't hang out with them no more. Mm-hmm. It's, now four, it's now 4,023. Me and Jay been gone for a long time. The Motown Philly podcast is a legend, though, for the ages. Perpetuity, baby. And somebody <laughs> finds this episode and they hear me say what I'm about to say. How silly would it be to take that statement that I made divinely inspired to Jason and make it a universal claim that no one should eat spaghetti and tomato sauce? Nah, bro. Is, is that what we're doing now? Because it seems to me that that's what we do with Paul. And not only was Paul. Listen, man, Paul had a lot of dysfunctions with him, right? Say it. Wait, Tim. You you might be stepping on toes, Brody. And listen, I'm gonna step on toes. I'm gonna step on the whole foot. Because <laughs> what y'all need to understand is that anybody who tells you to get married to avoid fornication, sex. For those of y'all don't know who fornication is, sex. Yeah, you get married to avoid sex outside of marriage. I mean, like, it seems to me that you, if you want to avoid having. <laughs> Bro, you know, do you know how many people say that to young young Christians and young young adults? What does he say? It's better to marry than to burn. That's one of them tropes. I'm telling you, bro. That, what kind of dangerous stuff is that? You don't. I don't. Do I want anybody to marry me? Because I ain't trying. Because to. of what they're trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That is insane. And that's the point where I'm coming at more holy and like you just can't be out here saying stuff, bro. Somebody, Why is Paul giving that advice? That dude is never, he was never married. Like that's never not married. sound advice. So many people give that very advice. Yep. Get married to avoid fornication. Man. Man, I know some dudes. Whose fornication has been induced by marriage. Boy. <laughs> okay. Paul telling jokers get married to avoid fornication. What you might want to start telling some men is to stay single to avoid fornication. Bruh. Because you get married, your marriage just might push you to fornicate. Bruh. Or, or better yet, if you get married, and you get married not because you love your spouse, but because you're trying to avoid fornication. Then when you get married and have sex, you actually are fornicating because fornication is the separation of sex from love, not sex from marriage. So you can be legally married and theologically and spiritually fornicating. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a bar. Listen, man, look, this kind of stuff is just is toxic, Jason. It's toxic. It's unhealthy. And to all the men who are listening out there, especially the black men, especially the black men who go to black churches, who are married to beautiful black women. This is not a knock on 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 black women or anything, but it is a knock on the black church. And the knock on the black church is that we have a tendency to impose a utopian standard of masculinity onto black Christian men that causes many of them to come to church feeling bad and leave worse than when they came because from the pulpit and from the pew, all they're hearing about 
is all the stuff they're not doing. You don't measure up to this. You don't measure up to that. Or what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. On a long list of what they already need to do in society, and they're already behind on that list. And meanwhile, all of the women in the church who are saying amen. And it's a lot of them. And it's a whole lot of them. Don't none of that wouldn't none of them give the give the real Jesus the time of day. <laughs> don't don't so don't come at me with this nonsense about oh I need me a man like Jesus. If he was more like Jesus, here you go. It's called conditional femininity. Well, if he was more like Jesus, I could be in my feminine energy. Boy, you better take that BS somewhere. And bury it. And I don't, because all it's good for is fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And when I say BS, I don't mean Bachelor of Science. You're talking about that sugar, honey, iced tea, I'm talking about bovine fecal, fecal matter. matter. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But that's that's what black men get in the church, Jay. And what, what happens? Matter? What happens when we get that, Tim? Like what, what happens over time when we're hearing? The we well, we're feeling what we feel in society. We get it from family, maybe we get it from from work, maybe we go home and get it. We get it from church. What happens, bro? You know what happens? The same thing that happens to Nina. A slow death. Except here's the difference, Jason. Nina was a woman who was physically hurt. Men in the church get emotionally hurt by this spiritual abuse. And that's what it is. What did we, what was the takeaway from Nina's story? It's wrong to use the Bible to, to enable abuse because when we do that, people die Mm -hmm. and Nina died, except that the, and Nina, Nina was dead emotionally and spiritually before she was dead physically. Mm -hmm. And the difference is sometimes with the physical abuse of women, People can see that they're hurting. They can see black eyes, broken bones, missing teeth. They can see that, right? Mm-hmm. But with a man, when a man is emotionally hurting, to you answer your question, Jason, what happens? What happens to a man is that he slowly deteriorates. If you really want to hurt a man, go after him emotionally. Because we live in a culture that tells men not to process their emotions. We live in a culture that tells men there's something wrong with you if you do share how you're feeling. And so as you get emotionally more and more beat down, we tend to share it less and less. And then at the end, what ends up happening? Some men will say the pain of living outweighs the pain of dying and they commit suicide. Mm -hmm. the church has told them they can't leave without the stigma of divorce because see in the church they present you with the false dichotomy of either you have to stay married or you get divorced and you're going to be ostracized scarlet letter scarlet letter and you're going to have to wear that scarlet letter on your chest the rest of your life so the pain of staying but the pain of staying married is so bad that you don't want the pain of the stigma of divorce, you would rather have all the pain end, and so you kill yourself. That's what happened to me. That's where that's where it led me. 
And I can tell you as a speaker at church men's conferences that I'm not the only one. Mm. There are men who they can't say anything because they're surrounded by it. The church has created a narrative that is such a monstrosity that the well-being of men is totally crushed beneath it. And men don't show up with black eyes, broken bones, and missing teeth. They show up with a crushed spirit, a lack of ambition, and depression. Mm. And then society piles on even more and calls them lazy and shiftless and trifling and no good. And here's the problem. Nobody can come visit you in your affliction when they don't know you're sick. Nobody can come visit you in the hospital if they don't know you're there. And there's a problem of not interpreting the signs of spiritual and emotional abuse, the loss of ambition, the depression, the overwhelming sadness, the crushed spirit. Those things are too easily misinterpreted as being things that the man needs to get do to get himself together and when we do that we we just i mean it's easy to see if a woman has a black eye or broken bones no something's not right and then men are confronted with this problem well there's two sides to every story but check this out if nina goes to somebody outside of her church community and tells them what's happening and that her husband is physically abusive. Does any does any sane, rational person want to hear his side of the story? No, they don't. Nobody wants to hear that. You know why? Because there is no justification for hitting a woman. And there is no justification for hitting a man. There is no justification for putting your hands on anyone in a marriage relationship in this context. So whatever side he has, and then there's this other cultural dogma, always, always three sides, his side, her side, and the truth. Really? <laughs> Do you, does anybody care about Oliver's side if he's beating his wife upside her head? The point is there is no side, but yet with men, it's always equivocal. Well, there's two sides to every story. Really? Are there two sides? Is there, are there two sides to any? abusive relationship no matter what the type it is and then when you kill yourself the same people you went to church with will sit around in metaphysical speculation and condemn you for taking your own life and go back and forth about it and nobody realizes that the church the black church is complicit in your death wow because they perpetrated and propagated a false standard of masculinity before you and they told you that you had to be like jesus and die meanwhile your death accomplishes nothing but the termination of your life why because we're not holy Mm. because jesus died so we don't have to so the church got the black church got a long way to go man long way i think the tones of what tim are and i are saying they are not extreme 
I think they these things Tim as Tim has said Tim has said uh, he's experienced. If you guys do not know, Tim has a TED talk that he has. If you hadn't listened to any of our earlier episodes, he has a TED talk on the emotional abuse of men that has been seen um, over a million has has gone viral, and Tim has gotten comments and he's gotten emails of men who all over this country maybe even all over this world all over all over the world that have have and are living this in silence in churches uh near and far and they come to him in a very down fashion tim sometimes shares with me stories without names but he shares with me some of these stories and these people some of these individuals these men uh, and the stories that they're the the lives that they're leading and the 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 places that they are emotionally um they're almost unheard of and hard to believe in a lot of situations so I just want you guys to know that what we're talking about, we're not just talking about our experience or or what we've learned in life from our experience and what the church and, and its culture and uh, the rhetoric, if you will, that is said as nice little things that that are cute and helps to keep us in line as far as how we should think like not nah, we should think a lot deeper. And understand uh, that feelings, emotions, articulation of those feelings to individuals that are not necessarily in the church, especially i.e. licensed professionals, therapists, somebody say amen. Like, yo, is this thing that I'm experiencing, is it normal? My church has been telling me to hold fast or to continue or don't work, don't really don't really acknowledge maybe they might call it the devil or what that is and these spirits and things like talk about the devil and talk about spirits and principalities and angels and high and low places but bro if you if you are depressed and it's chronic or not and your feelings of listlessness are abounding and you feel like you have no say so in your life whether you go left or right, even though you're held up as a leader, you're kind of a paper leader because we know who wears the pants in this family. It's another trope. Like, come on. Like it, 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 the, our thoughts and our words have to be careful and we have to have strong consideration of what these sayings do to us and where they make us feel and how they make us submit um maybe in a way that is when i say submit submit willfully to understand is this congruent with the with the with proper and healthy communication with myself with myself so that i can begin to connect with myself and create boundaries healthy boundaries with myself so those things can extend outwardly because we're even all if those yes. i'm sorry i'm sorry jason go ahead we're all about that communication connection and community 
even if setting those boundaries means you got to say to the church, I love y'all, but y'all crazy. Yeah. And and I'm not I'm not about to I'm not about to go to the church just because it's the church. If you can't help me with what I'm really going through, like, you know, a lot of people out there go to the church thinking they're getting therapy and they ain't getting nothing but a dysfunctional Bible study. You ain't getting nothing but what got Nina killed. That's all you getting. And if you a man, you getting killed even even more slowly because your death is something of an enigma to people. The symptoms that you got are brushed off and theorized as something lazy and shiftless and trifling and all of the dangerous tropes and stereotypes about black men come to the fore and your humanity is literally theorized out of existence. I'm going to tell you all another story right now. (laughs) There's a story in the scripture, John chapter nine, go look this up on your own. And just, I just want you to read the first three verses. The Bible says, and I'm paraphrasing here. It says, and it came to pass that Jesus was walking with his disciples and they saw a man who had been born blind, who who had been blind since birth. In verse two, it says that the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him who did sin, this man and his parents, that he was born blind. And in the third verse, Jesus says, neither did this man sin nor his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. Now, the way the story ends, Jesus ends up healing the blind man and enabling him to see. But I want you to think about the difference between how Jesus approached the man and how his disciples approached the man. Jason, in first century Palestine, when you had a physical disability, that was taken to be an indication of a moral failure Failure. Mm -hmm. on your part. So his physical disability was blindness. And insofar as he was blind, the popular culture theorized that something must have been wrong with him. Mm-hmm. So not only do you have the difficulty of negotiating a physical disability, but you have to deal with the social and cultural stigma of people believing that you are immoral because you are disabled. Hmm. And so what was it like to be this man walking the streets every day and having his humanity, his hopes, his dreams, Mm -hmm. his thoughts, his feelings, anything that makes him human was completely brushed aside and it was placed under swept under the rug of one theory after another so here you are a human being and you're reduced to little more than a walking billboard for the latest theory about why you were born blind that's what this world does to men Mm -hmm. especially black men this world treats black men the way the disciples treated the and people treated the man born blind. Right. We are Jason, you and I are we are we are present in places even when we are absent. You know why? Because as black men in America, our identity and the stereotypes precede us. 
the theorizations about who we are, about why we do what we do, about our corrupt motivations, many of them based on anti-black misandric theories descendant from white feminism. That's a whole other conversation to get into. Them's going in, y'all. Many of them descended from that kind of of garbage and that kind of nonsense that said white women should get the right to vote because they were more sophisticated than these black bucks who all they knew how to do was drink, smoke, and be oversexed. And oh, by the way, they don't know how to do anything but rape white women. Mm-hmm. So the, the humanity of black of the black masculine is layered beneath centuries of social and cultural theorization and interpretation that completely prevent people from seeing you and I for who we really are. Mm. And so I love what Jesus did, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if and think about think about how stupid the culture makes you. Listen to the question that the disciples ask. They said, who did sin, this man or his parents that he was born blind? How could you do something worthy of being born blind before you were born? In the womb. In the, how, I mean, how stupid do you have to be to buy into some of this cultural nonsense? But right. I like what, what, what it says in, the, in those verses because it says that when Jesus looked at him, he just saw a man. Mm. He was present. He was present with them. He was present. All of the hyper theorized ideas about why he was born blind because of this or that. Jesus bracketed all of that and said, you know what? I see a man. And if there's one takeaway from this for the brothers who are listening, the brothers who are faithful, want to go to church, want to be good Christian men. I'm all for all of that. But be well be healthy the bible says above all things guard your heart Mm. all that includes your spouse Mm. if she crazy (laughs) that includes oliver because he was sure enough crazy right right so we have to we have to deal with so much as black men in Christianity. And until we are able to figure this thing out, we're going to continue to struggle. I don't mean to go on a rant, Jay, but that story of the man born blind, that's the basis for my next book. Oh, my next book is going to be titled. Uh, it's so, you know, the way the story ends is the man is is healed and people come to him and they say, who healed you? Did Jesus heal you? What was he all about? He says, look, I don't know nothing about none of that. What I know is I was once blind and now, now I see. I see. And the title of my next book is Now I See Epistemic Addiction, Black Male Death and the Resurrection as Eschatology. I'm talking about a resurrection of black men at the end, the eschaton, the last things, the last things, the end, the black men have to see their end as something far more glorious than they beginning, than their beginning and work backwards from there. So I'm going to leave it there for now. Cause I'm going to get into a lot more of that once I start writing it. But man, this, this thing, I'm glad we had this conversation, Jason. 
Yeah, guys, we were we were thinking honestly, just open, you know, uh, to dash through the third wall. Like we were thinking about doing something else, but um, you know that the comment section of that video on Instagram got a little got a little hot. And, um, and Tim and I are not into being contrarians either. Well, that's just not right. that's, that's non-productive to who we are as communicators, right. as 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 the mission of this of this podcast and communication, uh, connection and community. Like the one of the reasons that got me into the comment section was like, yo, you got to have you got like we the, in some way, I believe and this is my own personal belief. Uh, Jeremy, get at me if you need to. It's like. Um, there's a disconnect, you know, there's a disconnect with communication with himself, um, potentially. And, and then, and then if there's a disconnect with communication with yourself, there's going to be, there's going to be a disconnect with connection and then I don't know, boundaries and so on and so forth. Um, but we all striving to be better and do better. Um, marriage doesn't make us holy guys. Um, Christ does. Um, and you guys, man, shouldn't go dying for everybody in the house because Jesus did that, bro. That's what we try. It's simple. Gospel is simple. Yeah. He died. Why? Why are we dying? You know, brother. He- yep, <laughs> brother. The only thing, brother, you listening out there, brothers, and your death ain't going to accomplish a thing Mm-mm. except ending your life. Mm-mm. Nobody is going to get into heaven because you died. Jesus took care of all of that, and why we persist to impose this kind of messianic masculinity, this utopian standards, you know, and then, you know, pastors would be like, yeah, you know, man, you know, Abraham had houses and land and now there's a materialism injected into the masculinity. Now, if I'm not out there, regardless of what a man's purpose is, everybody's purpose is not and this is the beautiful thing about the friendship Jason and I have. Jason is a cold-blooded entrepreneur. Jason is thinking about ways to make money, ways to save money. Jason is, that's how God made Jason. Mm-hmm. I don't have an interest in any of those things. No, I just didn't. don't. I just don't. It, it's not that important to me. Right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter that much to me. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make me a bad person. It just makes me different. God made all of us different. He made all of us for different purposes. And we spend too much time trying to tell men that they have to fit a square peg into a round hole. Oh, you got to go out here. You got to be an entrepreneur because you got to make money while you sleep. You got to do this and you got to do that. And, And the next thing you know, you're out there acting way outside of your purpose. Your life is a disaster. You feel like every time you take a step forward, you get pushed back 10 steps. That's no kind of way to live. Mm -hmm. German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche had a powerful statement. He said, become who you are. Be who you be who you are. Sorry, Kierkegaard, the Christian philosopher said at birth, we set sail with sealed orders. Got to open that bottle up and figure out what them orders are. And you know what? Once you figure out your purpose, stay in your lane. Yeah. Right. It's a wrap wrap after that. If you figure that out. Yeah. I was made to be a philosophy professor, a lawyer and an actor. And that's what I do. And that don't make me no better than nobody else. It don't make me no worse than nobody else. But I know 
that if I'm not doing one of them three things, I'm what? Wasting my time. Mm. Right? In the same way, I don't expect Jason to try to fit. Oh, Jay, you got to do this, man. You got to. No, Jason is Jason is Jason and Tim is Tim. And everybody has to be who God made them to be. And brothers out there who are listening, stop trying to fit yourself into some mold that is created for you by a dysfunctional misinterpretation of scripture that tells you you got that that imports a toxic materialism into the bible a toxic material prosperity that tells you you the man you got to lead therefore you got to live here and you got to own this type of house and drive this type of car you ain't got to do nothing but be who god made you to be so brothers just get 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 at peace with yourself man get at peace with yourself and love yourself i love myself and check this out when you really love yourself you're going to get to a point where in your marriage and in your in your life if your wife is on the right vibe like you brothers your marriage will be i think it will be a sheer joy right now it's not does that mean you're going to feel happy every day does that mean she ain't going to get on your nerves does that mean you ain't going to get on her nerves no 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 that's always going to happen but it does mean that you don't have to put the pressure on yourself of doing something that God never intended for you to do. Man, brothers, we love y'all. And sisters, we love y'all too. Listen, there's a lot of women out there, black women out there who might be listening, who they might have brothers or uncles or cousins or nephews, right? Or or fathers who are caught up in relationships that are pushing them down the wrong path. Listen, man, y'all just do y'all just think about the men in your life. Think about the men in your life and think about how hard it is to be like Nina. Think about how devastating it is that this poor woman had to die because a bunch of people misinterpreted the Bible to enable abuse. And think about how the same thing happens to men, but we don't always see their symptoms and interpret their symptoms as an urgency. So let me say this part as we depart. Y'all, we love y'all. Yeah, we do. Let me say this part as we de- as we depart. I didn't. I failed to bring out the aspect of the disappointment can happen, especially if we fall under the the idea that we have to do and become, if you will, when it comes to being in a marriage crucible, and when when we're given the ideas that men are supposed to be this dynamic feature of who christ is in the in the house like there's a level of expectation that is put on him not just by himself and by spiritual community put on him by his spouse and when he's not meet because when he's this is so crucial when he's not meeting those quote-unquote spiritual um those spiritual achievements or holding up the standard of what should be um looked at as as that leader or that that man or that priest in the home when then his which will come out because he's human when when those things when his flaws really shine and he's not meeting the the christ expectation in that household the woman begins to diminish her respect value it is 
it becomes a cyclical dysfunctional cycle in in the marriage that that doesn't foster a healthy environment for growth and trust and um ma maturity and, and accountability it's just like bro you you're not doing what this high standard is doing how can i be how can i open up to you how can i trust you how can i it's it, it that's a back-ended part of like oh bro just like tim said man like live life love god and strive to be the best because he's covering you mm-hmm and, yep. and, 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 he, he got you covered. He got you covered. And listen, Jeremy, say that. Jeremy, we love you too, brother. Yeah, we do. We would. We love you too. No hard feelings towards you. We just. We just think that someone of your level of influence on a platform like that needs to be a little more careful about the content of what's being said. I don't know you. Never met you. I'm sure you're a good dude. Let's do no the let's do the, the even better thing. Jeremy, you invited on this show, Brody. Uh, you Stop beat me it. to it. You, you, you beat me to it, Jason. I'd love to have show. you on here to discuss this or to talk about this. So it's totally up to you, brother. We'd love to have you. I don't have any problem with you. I just know what I've been through. And Jason knows what he's been through. And I know what other men have been through. And I just for that reason, we just have problems not with you personally, but with what you with what you have said in that video and in others. So look, brother, it's all good, man. No hard feelings and uh, just thankful for this time to spend together. Jason, where can they find you, man? Yo, you guys looking for me? Look for me on IG because I'm not everywhere, although I'm kind of everywhere. But IG, the, look for me at the speaker's mechanic or the speaker's mechanic. Look for me there. Of course, you can find me in a professional light. Definitely uh, at uh, on LinkedIn, Jason Hall, communication skills coach and Facebook, just Jason Hall. Tim, where can we find you, sir? You can find me on Instagram at, at a good golden man. You can find me on Twitter at DRTJ Golden ESQ. And last but not least, you can find me on Facebook at Tim Golden. Three things in life are certain death taxes. And yours truly is the only black man in Walla Walla, Washington named Tim Golden. Walla Walla. The city's so nice. They had to say it twice. Thank you all for listening. Y'all been rocking with us for 30 weeks, man. Listen, just just buckle up because it's only getting better from here. It's only getting better from here. Tim and I like to say we out here. <laughs> we out here in these podcast streets and I hope somebody today some man or woman and hopefully men and women were blessed by what we had to say today and until next week's episode y'all be good to yourselves be good to one another and know that you're part of the Motown Philly family we'll be back next week y'all mad love later guys <laughs>